0: Coming up, D-backs get swept in their series against L.A. Dodgers. Talking a little Christian Walker's hot streak. And also Dalton Varsho versus Carson Kelly. Who does the pitching staff prefer? Bringing all that down for you next. You are Locked On Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day you're listening to, always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist, and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there to see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter. At Creator Thomas 24 for my personal account. Or look up Lockdown On Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And, of course, thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. But we have to discuss, we have to discuss The D-backs versus Dodgers series because the D-backs get swept by the L.A. Dodgers, something I did not think would happen. I mean, I'm not surprised that it happened, but still, I mean, the last time the D-backs faced the Dodgers, the D-backs won that series, even though it was a lot of mistakes by the L.A. Dodgers. I thought the D-backs could at least get one game in a four-game series, but no, the D-backs now fall to three games below 500. They got swept by the L.A. Dodgers, and now the stage is set for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Are they a pretender or a playoff contender? I'm not saying World Series. I'm not saying World Series contender. I'm just saying playoff contender, wild card spot. You know, maybe make a wild card run at least. Do they deserve to be in the playoff field? Pretender or playoff contender? That's the question now for the Arizona Diamondbacks because if you look at their upcoming schedule, the next. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five. The next six series for the D-backs. So we're looking pretty far ahead, but this only takes you to about the second week of June. The next six series for the D-backs. You play the Cubs starting tomorrow, which would be today at the time of you guys listening. And that's a rematch because remember, we just played the Chicago Cubs and lost two of three games to the Cubs, so we can't take them lightly. Then we play the Kansas City Royals. Then we play the Dodgers again. Then we play the Braves, who are four games below 500 at the time of me recording this. Then the Reds, and then the Pirates. So you look at the next six series, Really, the Dodgers are the only team that should give you any trepidation. I know the Braves are the reigning World Series champs, but they're struggling right now. They're not a very good ball club, at least right now. Maybe by the time they play the D-backs, they will have turned it up a little bit. But you look at the next six series, five of them are very winnable series. The D-backs can take two out of three for sure against the Royals, Cubs, Reds, and Pirates. But can they do that? That's where this question comes in. Are the D-backs pretenders or actual playoff contenders? Because... For most of the season, they played one of the toughest schedules in baseball. They were great against 500 teams, but you look at what they did against the Cubs and the Dodgers, and it makes you wonder, is this team starting to spiral out of control? Are they entering their old habits, their bad habits once again? Because they've now lost six of their last seven games. And if you remember last season, I know last season was arguably the worst in franchise history but if you remember on April 30th the D-backs were 14 and 12 and when the D-backs were 14 and 12 I know I was blowing up the lockdown MLB group chat I think they had just beat the pie uh the Padres I think I was going crazy on April 30th but like at May 18th the D-backs are three games below 500 but after that Marlins series they were what one or two games above 500 and now you have to wonder Is the season going to start to spiral out of control just like it did last year after they were two games above 500? The D-backs struggle to win games after that. And after this Miami Marlins series, are we seeing the same remnants? Are they spiraling out of control again? That's the question I pose because you look at the game today for the D-backs. The D-backs so far in this series, the first three games, were able to jump out to early leads. And they didn't do that in the fourth game the Dodgers were able to score first in that first inning, and you're like, uh-oh, are the Dodgers off and running, but Zach Davies was able to settle down after that first inning, and the D-backs got that run back at the top of the second, so they were able to tie it up pretty quickly. They eventually took the lead in the third inning, but it wasn't enough of a lead. It was only a one-run lead, and we know if the D-backs have to hand the ball over to their bullpen, uh, it could get pretty dicey because there's also no Kyle Nelson. He would just place on the 10-day injured list along with Cooper Hummel today, so Really, the only guy you can trust right now in the bullpen is Joe Mantiply, unless you trust Noah Ramirez, unless you trust Ian Kennedy. The guy I trust the most is Joe Mantiply. So Davies really had to pitch perfect. I mean, once he got that one-run lead, he basically had to go seven, eight innings that the D-backs wanted a chance to win this game, and hopefully Mantiply could close that out uh, in the ninth inning. But Davies, like all the other d back starting pitchers, was a- oh, the Dodgers were able to get after him in basically one inning because if you look at Tyler Gilbert and Merrill Kelly yesterday, like, And that doubleheader, both of them kind of got shelled in one inning. Like, both of them kind of got destroyed. Merrill Kelly in that second inning for Tyler Gilbert, I think it was that sixth inning. And for Zach Davies, the fourth inning is what absolutely destroyed him. He gave up four runs in that fourth inning, including a home run to Justin Turner. And after he gave up um, the home run to Justin Turner, I tweeted out, like, this game is Over, the D-backs have gotten swept by the L.A. Dodgers, and people were responding to me like, the game's not over. It's only like the fourth, fifth inning. Like, why are you saying that? Like, it's because I've seen this D-back team. I try to watch almost every D-back's game um, from start to finish. Now, some games I come in the third inning. Some games I leave a little early, depending on how it's going. But after I saw that Justin Turner home run, I tweet out, this game is over. D-backs are getting swept. They've lost six of their last seven. And it's because I watched this team too many times, and I knew there was no chance, no way for this team to get back. How are they going to do it? Through Bullpen pitching? Uh no, it's not like after they went down, was it four to two, five to two? It's not like the bullpen was gonna keep them in the game after Zach Davies left. And somehow the bullpen actually performed pretty well after Zach Davies left. Like, surprise, surprise. The only day we get a good bullpen performance is when Zach Davies gives up five earned runs because the bullpen after Davies went out actually pitched perfectly. But can you usually typically trust the bullpen? No. Were you trusting the offense to get you back in this game? Um, Probably not considering they were, what, 2-for-11 with runners in scoring position on the day. And don't forget, I mean, another reason why I thought the D-backs had no chance to win this game after the inning, you just have to fast forward to the 5th inning, I believe it was. Was it the 5th inning? Let me double check for you guys. It might have been the 6th inning. Let me see here. Um, Yeah, you fast forward to that 5th inning. The D-backs get the bases loaded no outs. So I sent that tweet before this situation even happened. And I was maybe quote tweeting my own tweet and saying, did I speak too soon? Did I say the D-backs lost too early? Because all of a sudden, bases loaded, no outs, and the D-backs got something cooking in the fifth inning. And then what happened? Three straight outs. D-backs end up getting no runs in that fifth inning. And I quote tweeted my own tweet and said, yep, there it is. I thought I was going to have to redact my earlier statement, but I did not have to because the D-backs came through and validated my earlier statement. Even though it was only the fourth inning, they validated my statement of the D-backs were not going to win that game after that Justin Turner home run. And you could just see it through the offense, through the pitching. It just bled out through the entire team. It just kind of... I don't, I don't want to say they... Head they held their heads down low because I don't think that's true. I do think the offense did battle, especially Alec Thomas. And later in the game, I mean they did have other opportunities. They were able to get a run in the seventh inning. They had two on, one out. They still had other opportunities to win this game, but that was kind of the story of this whole series. Like they've had opportunities in these games, but the offense wasn't able to get the big hits. Or when they did get the big hits, it was either too little, too late. Or the lead was just too large for the Dodgers, where it didn't matter if the D-backs got four or five runs. The Dodgers had six to eight runs in the game, so it didn't matter. So you look at this game, you look at the series, offense basically didn't do much outside the first game. The starting pitching has to be the biggest disappointment because that's our strength as D-backs fans and supporters right now, is the starting pitching. We all say our starting rotation ERA, top three in baseball, it's the best thing we have going for us. But this starting pitching is starting to falter. If it's starting to come back to earth, I'm afraid that's going to that's gonna be the linchpin or the straw that breaks the camel's back on the D-back season as to why the season could spiral out of control. Because if you don't have the second best starting rotation in baseball, like the offense just hasn't done enough. And we're going to talk about one of the players has been phenomenal for the D-backs offense this season. But most of the offense hasn't been that good. The bullpen, we know, hasn't been that good. And if the starting pitching all of a sudden starts to falter and we can't trust that, what phase of the D-backs game can you trust? Can you trust anything? Maybe base running because they got a lot of athletes. Um, Maybe left side of your infield defense because Nick Ahmed and Geraldo Perdomo and Josh Rojas are pretty good defensively, but outside of that, there's not many things you could trust. You could trust individual players, Quetel Marte, Kyle Nelson, Joe Mantiply. but overall, there's not phases of the game you could trust when it comes to the D-backs. This series exposes a lot of issues for the D-backs If that starting rotation is starting to falter. It makes me really question if this D-backs team is a pretender or a playoff contender, and I think over the next few series, the D-backs will answer that question. Now, the D-backs need a huge boost in their offense, and one player who has been a huge boost all season is Christian Walker. I want to talk about him, but I think one reason why he's been able to have such a big boost— um, in 2022 as opposed to last season, I think he started to eat Bilt Bars because Bilt Bar has been a great boost to my diet. I'm a health conscious guy. I'm trying to work out every day. I'm trying to eat healthy. I'm trying to li- live a clean lifestyle. But my problem is I have a sweet tooth. I like to eat junk food, but it's okay because Bilt Bar tricks me. I think that me and Candy Bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar. that's low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, great for that keto diet. And the best thing about Bilt Bars is they are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. And right now, they have these things called puffs. You could get you a brownie batter puff. They're infused with marshmallow and protein. Absolutely delicious. If you want your own order of built bars, just go to built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% your 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And thank you for making lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out that Locked On Now podcast. I know there was a little pause there. Recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts, taking fans through the season like no other network, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast because I want to talk a little Christian Walker because the D-backs offense hasn't been great this season. We know they're pretty much at bottom three in every offensive category as a team. It's starting to kick up a little bit in May because guys like Ketel Marte and guys like Christian Walker have been able to carry this offense through this month of May, and I want to talk about Christian Walker and just basically highlight some of the numbers and stats for Christian Walker because this is someone who is a huge swing player for the D-backs. He's someone that had an oblique injury last year, spent a lot of time on the injured list, just had a down season across the board statistically. He just did not look like the same guy at the plate on baseball reference. You would have not recognized that was Christian Walker because entering the season, I'm like, hey, if you play fantasy football in the 12th round, go get you Christian Walker. He's going to be the biggest deal in fantasy and Right now, if you look at fantasy numbers and ranks, like Christian Walker's right there at the top of the list for uh first baseman, I think he's still on the waiver wire and two in two of my league. So I might have to go scoop up Christian Walker because over the last two weeks, Christian Walker has been a man possessed, he's been one of the best players in the sport, I want to say, over the last two weeks, if that's a fair assessment, because over the last 15 days, entering today's game, or I guess yesterday's game against the Dodgers at the time of you guys listening, he had a 333 average and a 1048 OPS over his last 13 games. 333 average, 1048 OPS, and on the season, Christian Walker is just absolutely crushing it. Now, some of his traditional numbers, like um, batting average and OPS, still aren't quite as sexy just yet, but if you want to go to StatCast, because right now, Christian Walker is the top trending player on StatCast. If you want to check out StatCast, they absolutely absolutely love Christian Walker. Sometimes saying absolutely is really tough for me. They love Christian Walker. He's a darling on StatCast because look at some of these percentiles and where Christian Walker ranks among the league. 84th percentile in average exit velocity. That means this Man is crushing the ball hard. Eighty seventh percentile in hard hit percentage. Another hard contact stat. Ninety six percentile in expected waiting. Expected weighted on base average. I don't even know what that means, but ninety six percentile. He's the lead in that. Ninety six percentile in barrel percentage. So that means he's getting the freaking barrel to the ball. Ninetieth percentile in chase rate. This man is not going after pitches outside the strike zone. 99th percentile and outs above average. I'm not sure if that's an offensive stat or a defensive stat, but I was like, hey, I'll throw it in there. And then if you look at some of his expected expected stats, 912 expected slugging percentage against fastballs. That's really been the difference for Christian Walker this year. Is the damage he's done against fastballs, he's crushed fastballs this season. Like I said, 912 expected slugging average against fastballs. Well, what about his actual slugging percentage? 6.58 slugging against fastballs this season. For reference, last year, Christian Walker had a 4.22 slugging percentage against fastballs. He had six home runs against fastballs in all of 2021. So far this season, he already has eight home runs against a fastball, eight, six, all of last season. And he's seen, I think, more than doubled the amount of fastballs last season compared to the early part of this year. So that lets you know he's really locked in on the fastball. And it's not even just the expected and these percentile ranks and the, the expected slugging. There's more stats to justify Christian Walker is not just having a great season in you know in terms of first baseman in the National League and Major League Baseball. Christian Walker might be having a career season. This might be the best season of Christian Walker yet because best Hard hit percentage and exit velocity since 2019. Probably the greatest season of his career. Walk percentage is also the best since 2019. And second best strikeout percentage of his career. He's not striking out. And he's getting on base at a way higher rate than he has the past couple years. Plus, he's hitting the ball hard. He's doing everything you would want in a player. And he's even being more patient at the plate. So he's hitting for power. He's hitting for contact. And he's being patient at the plate. And he's not striking out. All positive signs for Christian Walker because lowest swing percentage of his career has led to the highest contact rate of his career. Let me say that again because I don't know if I said that cleanly. I don't know if I fumbled the bag there. So lowest swing percentage of his career. So when pitchers are coming in, he's swinging at a lower rate than ever, but The contact percentage is higher than ever, so it's all working in unison. Six best war among first basemen in Major League Baseball, according to fan graphs. Now, the only downside of this fantastic season Christian Walker is having, especially the last two weeks, in those last 13 games, when he's having that 333 average and 1048 OPS, he only has seven RBIs. In those 13 games, despite three home runs, three doubles, the extra base hits, he only has seven RBIs because... The men in front of Christian Walker are not doing their job. And it's not just the Varshos or the Ketel Martes. It's not really any of those guys. It's as a unison as a team. This team is just not cohesive enough. When have you ever seen Christian Walker go up there as a cleanup hitter? And there's already two on to start the game with one out. And now Christian Walker has a chance to hit a three-run bomb. A lot of those Christian Walker home runs are usually solo shots. I think in the doubleheader yesterday, he had a two-run bomb, but that's usually a lot for Christian Walker. If there's one guy on the bases, that's usually a lot for Christian Walker. As a cleanup guy, his job is to drive home the dudes on the bases, and a lot of times, there's not many people on the bases for Christian Walker to drive home, and I think that has been a big issue for this D-backs team. As we know, runners in scoring position has been a problem. They usually don't come through in that area. They also struggle getting runners in scoring position. They were able to do that a little bit today and bases loaded, no outs. They did not come through and that was not Christian Walker's fault. So for the D-backs, they need to give Christian Walker more RBI opportunities. The only man who's driving in right now is himself on those solo shots. So let's give Christian Walker some more RBI opportunities because this man has been a has been possessed so far this season, especially the last two weeks. He's been on fire. And right now, if I had to place on bet, If I had to place a bet on Christian Walker leading the D-backs in home runs, I would have to go to BetOnline and place that bet because I think that is a slam dunk bet. And BetOnline is not just a place, uh, a great place to place D-backs bets. It's just a great tool and resource overall because our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for your betting stats and sports info. Find of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, all right. Let's get back to the pod. Hopefully, that was a clean segue from Christian Walker to that BetOnline ad. Um, I I felt like it wasn't as clean as I wanted it to be, but hey, what can you do? Because now, I want to talk a little Dalton Varsho versus Carson Kelly. I don't really know how to frame this segment. Should it be, who does the pitching staff prefer more? Because there is a weird phenomenon where Dalton Varshow just... The the pitching staff just does not perform as well with Dalton Varsho behind the plate as opposed to Carson Kelly. I think it's more about Carson Kelly and how good of he how good he has become as a defensive catcher and a framer of the baseball than Dalton Varsho's, you know, lack uh, you know lackness in that area. I don't know the the correct way to say it. I think it's more about Kelly being really good as a catcher as opposed to As not opposed to Dalton Varsho being as good of a catcher as Carson Kelly, if that makes sense. Because I feel like Dalton Varsho has been a pretty good catcher so far this season when Kelly hasn't been there. I felt like he's done a good job of throwing out runners. I felt like his arm from first to second has been really strong this year. Yeah, the framing could be a little bit better, but I don't think he's letting balls get away from him. I think he's done a good job of keeping balls in front of him. So from a defensive standpoint, I don't think Dalton Varsho has been bad at all. Again, I think it's more about Kelly's progress and progression as a catcher, as a pure catcher, as a guy who could frame pitchers as opposed to Dalton Varsho's inability to do that. That's why I want to say, not lack of or whatever I was trying to say, but inability to do that because I don't think Dalton Varsho has an inability to do that. I just think Carson Kelly has a greater ability to do that. And right now, if you look at the stats for Dalton Varsho versus Carson Kelly, Kelly's played like double the innings as opposed to Dalton Varsho at catcher. But The number so far for Dalton Varsho as a catcher, catching this pitching staff just hasn't been very pretty. Like He's allowed 14 home runs behind the plate, which is tied for the most on the team, despite playing significantly less than every other catcher. He's tied with Jose Herrera for the most home runs allowed, but Jose Herrera has like 125 innings behind the plate. Dalton Varsho was like 75. Um, Herrera might be at like 130 after today, but it's really... Shocking to see. Like, I don't understand why the pitchers are giving up so many more home runs with Dalton Varsho. I have a theory as to why, but let's keep going through some stats. Dalton Varsho, also 766 OPS allowed, is also the highest among catchers on the team. Kelly, only a 588 OPS allowed for Carson Kelly. Kelly is also in, this is where my theory comes in. Kelly is also in the 87th percentile for framing pitches, while Varsho is in the 28th percentile for framing pitches when it comes to throwing out guys or making sure the ball doesn't get by you, I'm not sure there's a big difference between these two. But when it comes to framing pitches, I think that's a big difference because Carson Kelly is making balls look like strikes, while Dalton Varsho just isn't doing that as much. And when you turn a lot of those balls into strikes, it leads to more strikeouts, it leads to more short innings. And Carson Kelly is a big factor into why this pitching staff has been so good this season. Catchers are still important in baseball. Until they bring in the um, robot catchers are still very important um people in baseball. And a lot of pitchers still prefer one catcher. I believe when Mass and Bumgarner first got to the D backs, they signed Steven Vogt because that was his catcher, I think, in uh in San Fran for a little bit. And basically any day Mass and Bumgarner started. Um, for the D-backs, he had Stephen Vogt catching him. It wasn't Carson Kelly. He preferred Stephen Vogt. And so a lot of pitchers like to do that where they have their preferred catcher that they want to throw to maybe because they're more comfortable. They just know each other a lot better. They have a certain chemistry. And I think for Carson Kelly, he's just more locked in on this pitching staff. And it's not a surprise. He's probably played a lot more with this pitching staff and practiced a lot more. Um, catching this pitching staff than a Dalton Varsho. There's just a lot more time in with Carson Kelly because Dalton Varsho, majority of the time, is going to be playing center field for the D-backs. When Carson Kelly is healthy, Dalton Varsho will move back to center field. But with Carson Kelly still on the 10-day injured list, I think we have to ask the question, should Dalton Varsho go back to play more center field and using Herrera more as the backup catcher or really the main catcher with Carson Kelly out? Because Herrera is kind of in between both of them when it comes to stats. So that's a that's an interesting question for this D-backs coaching staff. Should you play Herrera a little bit more just because he's better than Dalton Varsho defensively even though it might be a step back offensively? And if I have to make that choice, I'm probably still sticking with Dalton Varsho behind the plate because with Varsho behind the plate, it just adds it just allows me to add another dynamic offensive player to the lineup, typically an Alec Thomas in the outfield or maybe you have Paven Smith or something or David Peralta or Cooper Hummel. There's so many more options you could throw into your lineup. We you have Dalton Varsho behind the plate as opposed to Jose Herrera. Herrera just doesn't do enough at the plate for me to want to take Dalton Varsho out behind the plate because it's not like Yes, Herrera has been better at catching this pitching staff than Dalton Varsho. I don't know if it's night and day difference. I feel like their offense between those two players is night and day. I don't feel like the catching is night and day, so because of that reason, I'm still probably riding with Varsho over Herrera. Even though Herrera might be the better pure catcher, I just think the offense of Varsho outweighs the catching ability of a Jose Herrera. But I do think this pitching staff desperately needs Carson Kelly back because as much as I like Dalton Varsho, I want to see him back in center field full time. His defensive stats as a center fielder are fantastic. He's a really good defensive center fielder. And I think we also want to see a little Dalton Varsho and Alec Thomas. We want to see that combination more in the outfield and it will push someone like Paven Smith maybe out of the outfield a little bit more because Alec Thomas is a lefty. And we'll see what happens. Maybe they put Dalton Varshow behind the plate when there's a righty on the mound, once Carson Kelly comes back, so they can still get Alec Thomas, a lefty in the outfield with the Paven Smiths and the David Peraltas and all that, but eventually, I want to see Carson Kelly behind the plate, no matter who's pitching that day, I want to see Carson Kelly behind the plate, I want to see Dalton Varsho in the outfield, I want to see Alec Thomas in the outfield as well, because I think that gives us our best chance to win, I don't care about the cross matchups or anything like that, at the end of the, at the, end of the day, you have to put your best players on the field. And I think that will include Dalton Varsho and Alec Thomas in the outfield with Carson Kelly behind the plate. And we desperately need Carson Kelly back because the pitching staff looks like the best pitching staff in baseball when Kelly's behind the plate. But with Dalton Varsho behind the plate, it gets a little bit more sketch. So Carson Kelly, we need you to come back. We love Dalton Varsho, but Kelly, as a catcher, we need you, pal. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news, coverage, and insight. We'll definitely talk a little bit about the Chicago Cubs. We'll talk about game one, and we'll talk about things we're watching for the D-backs heading into the weekend series. Thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked On MLB, with my pal and your pal, Sully Baseball. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!